0: Welcome to On The Side with Jackie London, a BS-free podcast where we're talking all things food, nutrition, and wellness to help you build healthier habits that stick. As a registered dietitian, author, journalist, and former clinician turned content creator, I've heard and seen it all. Join me each week as I debunk diet myths, explore the latest wellness trends, and answer all of your pressing listener questions. Plus, we'll hear from a guest who will kick off each interview weekly with a soup to nuts rundown and, okay, sometimes, analysis of what they're eating, cooking, ordering in, or where they're dining out with tons of delicious ideas, lots of laughs, and plenty of pro tips in between. The one thing I can actually guarantee? I'll serve up tangible, actionable strategies to help you apply the science behind what works to what works best for you. Listeners, welcome back to another episode of On The Side with yours truly, Jackie London. This is now, I think, my 15th time attempting this intro to the episode. So I'm going to keep it short and snappy because I feel like the universe is trying to tell me something. So Nicole Grohman is amazing. She is my guest today. She's a registered dietitian. She's the founder of Nicole Grohman Nutrition. She's also a native New Yorker if you don't mind my saying. She's the brains behind The Hungry Clementine on Instagram and also my former rock star intern. So Nicole and I talk about a whole number of different topics. We kind of bounced all over the place, but today Nicole is working primarily with clients to help them find food freedom, in, and her patient population is primarily with those recovering from eating disorder. So that is your official trigger warning right there. Um, but we also get into a lot of other topics as well, including our shared confusion about this bullshit term adrenal fatigue. That's being thrown around everywhere. We also talk about how TikTok is the new tabloids, um, and we also get into what it means to practice nutrition and um, and be a healthcare professional from a weight neutral standpoint, and what does weight neutral even mean? I will just call out here because I try to make this podcast platform a place where my guests can share their clinical point of view and their expertise in from using research as applied in practice. I will say that you know there are some things that come up where Nicole and I may have a difference of opinion, but I wanted to make sure that today's episode was really focused on her perspective and her point of view. So if you have any questions about where I stand on anything that Nicole brings up, definitely reach out. Go ahead and leave a rating and share it with me in a review on Apple Podcasts. I would love that so much, listeners. I can't even begin to tell you. You can also find me anytime on Instagram at JacquelineLondonRD, and I can't wait to hear what you think about this episode. I think it's awesome. You're going to love it. But first, let's get to a quick listener question. All right, so today's question is, what does the acronym IIFYM mean? Ah, well, I'm sure it could mean many things, but in in nutrition, <laughs> or rather, in wellness influencer culture, the term, if it fits your macros, is referring to this hashtag that basically means nothing, but seems to be associated with, like, people who work out a lot. Really, I I mean, I think that from what I can gather on this topic because this is not like an evidence-based topic is that if it fits your macros is really referring to how you put meals and snacks together using carbs, protein, and fat. Macronutrients are the ones that provide you with units of energy called calories. Um, And for some reason it seems to be that CrossFitters feel like this is more effective than counting calories, but basically it's a more challenging mathematical way to calculate calories. So yeah. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. What I like about it is that looking at it from purely this kind of very scientific standpoint of what does it mean to include sources of protein, what does it mean to include sources of carbs and sources of fats, right, is that it's not doing the labeling thing that so often many different types of restrictive eating patterns or diets online will tell you to do. So I do like that about this approach. I also like the fact that because it's being used by the fitness community. There's potential for this to, to you know be adapted into a healthier pattern of eating overall, if you kind of start by focusing on macronutrients or real whole food sources, I should say. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna say it like this. I'd rather, I'd rather you hear it from me this way. Focusing on the type of nutrient is important insofar as you combining foods that can help you to feel energized, satisfied, and like you've had enough to eat right now for what you want to do with the rest of your day. So instead of focusing on the nutrients so much, can you think more about both what you're actually in the mood to eat? How can you make sure that you have something that feels like a satisfying combo of foods, right? Like to you, right? What is what is satisfying look like to you? And I will give you the the actual evidence-based conclusion that combos, food combos that include both the nutrient protein and Uh, Carbs, so protein with fiber-filled carbs can help you feel satisfied, full, and energized for a longer period of time because they take longer to digest, absorb, and metabolize versus eating, let's say, just a slice of bread on its own. Can you have that bread with some peanut butter? But as for counting macros or sticking within a specific limit, I think this is just one of those recipes for disordered patterns of eating, right? Like getting obsessed with how many grams of fat and how many grams of protein and how many grams of carbs that you've had for today, I would say leave that job to me. That's my job. And honestly, I don't even work with clients in that way so much anymore because it's just really not effective. Like really, I'm looking at what are the actual foods? This is a huge problem and I see it all the time everywhere, which is that we tend to get obsessed with these like hyper scientific names or words or concepts rather than focusing on how we actually feel when we eat and what makes us feel good right? And that good and good is subjective. That can change depending on the setting, depending on the day, depending on what we need. So pay attention to what actually feels good to you. I would say focus less on if it fits your macros. I know people in the fitness community feel really strongly about this, but I've got to say, this is why I have a master's in clinical nutrition because no one really needs to be doing this. And there's only in very specific settings that even a dietitian would be looking at specific macronutrients. And usually all of those settings are clinical. Okay, So I'd say focus on veggies, fruit, whole grains, 100% whole grains, more plants, more often, and thinking about how you can choose more unsweetened beverages, choose to have dessert that you actually enjoy and love eating, and consider how you can get more movement into your day. Those would be the basics. I mean, I know it is both extremely simple and extremely hard to do at the same time, and those two things can exist at once. And they in fact do exist at once. All right. I'm going to stop rambling because bottom line is ignore this bullshit hashtag and live your life because you deserve to eat food that feels good to you and feels energizing and satisfying to you. All right. So no science behind if it fits your macros, that's the bottom line. And I think you're going to love this interview. So let's get to it. Can you start us off by telling us about your time in the VA hospital, Nicole? I mean, this feels like a, a random place to start maybe, but it's not. I don't think it is. I feel like we need to know like, what's happening in the VA hospital. I feel like there's there's some th- great things are happening and also sometimes some challenging things are happening.
1: <laughs> I mean, the great things that were happening from my standpoint when I started working there like I have a background in psychology Mm. so when I like my undergrad is in psychology so when getting to work with veterans I really got to put that into use because like I actually covered the mental health clinic in both locations that I worked in and it was nice to be able to bring like the compassion for my, my psychology training yeah. into working with a population who had a very significant mental health history. Right. Um, and also there's actually a large amount of disordered eating and eating disorders in the military really? and veteran population, which I had no idea about. Wait, I had
0: no idea about that until right now. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. It's really um, heartbreaking. and yeah. upsetting. There's just a lot that happens in the military in terms of like having to stay at a certain weight, be a certain size in order to maintain those metrics that were required, you know, very disordered eating behaviors were like encouraged or just ultimately fell into right. without even realizing that it was disordered to like make weight oh, and like, coming out of, you know, active duty and being a veteran, there's just like a lot of those behaviors that kind of last. So right. I was actually part of the eating disorder treatment program at the hospital, which amazing. I was so grateful for. That's amazing. And, So it was, it was an awesome experience. It was. Wow. So you were there for six years. Yeah. So I actually worked in clinical for seven years because I was in the Bronx at another hospital before that. So I was like seven years in clinical six with veterans, which my, my true start of nutrition actually was working in fitness, which is really ties into what I do today. And what's actually very funny is when I was undergrad, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I actually applied as like an earth science major because cool. I loved earth science in middle school and like I just truly didn't know what I wanted to do with my life so I'm like earth science cool and it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be so I was deciding between nutrition and psychology my second year at undergrad and or like end of first year and I was like eh, I don't want to do all the chemistry and like the biology I'm just going to do psychology. So it's yeah. just funny because I considered nutrition when I was younger and then ultimately got into it when I was older, like came back and bit me in the butt, like can't escape it. Obviously this is what I want to do. Um, but my real start, I will try to make this as succinct as possible. Oh my God. Is this is a that... safe space.
0: You don't have to be succinct no. here. We're in it. I know. We just don't win the, it. Okay. Listeners, okay. <laughs>
1: you know, we've got stuff to talk about today. And like, I, I started working at a gym and, um, honestly through, Like fitness culture and diet Mm. mindset Mm -hmm. in the gym, I personally ended up developing a very unhealthy relationship with food. Mm. I got, you know, unfortunate nutrition advice from non nutrition professionals that sent me in the direction of like a very black and white relationship with food. The I personally engaged in the cheat day pattern, which if anybody doesn't know what that is, I would restrict essentially for like six days and then eat whatever I wanted on the weekends. But I didn't know I was restricting. You know, I was like, I'm eating healthy. I'm eating clean. What I'm doing is right. And this went on for a while to the point where it kind of just solidified and taught my brain a very black and white and unhealthy relationship with food where i wasn't allowed to like i had to earn the treat mm. and if i ate any and if i ate too many of them which of course i did because it was only limited to one or two days a week and i would feel very guilty and then right. on monday here we go again back right. to my clean eating and it was so what i'm describing yeah. is like not, it's not funny it's like sad and ironic and just what i'm describing is actually very normalized in our culture today but it it is disordered, and. Throughout that time, I just became super interested in nutrition without knowing that I even had like disordered eating and was working. I was managing a retail store at the gym and loved the whole client telling aspect with the customers. And I was like, I love nutrition. I love relationship building. I should be a nutritionist. And that's how I decided to apply to NYU. Like it was as simple as that. Wow. And I had no idea what it would turn into ultimately. Right. So that was like the jumpstart. And then, of course, as you know, the nutrition training is actually very clinical. <laughs> I really had no clue that I was going to be like learning all that science that I tried to avoid right. in undergrad. Right. Same. Um, oh yeah. my god! Thank right. you for
0: saying that. Thank you for thank you for normalizing that. Can we just normal like that? Really yeah. talk about things that should be normalized? Um, yeah, trying to avoid a science class like it no. is your like you
1: are on fire and and <laughs> running <laughs> like, like, from I'm, it. I'm, running from it. And I love certain sciences. Like I loved physics. Like I said, I loved earth science. I didn't want to do the like biology and chemistry. I'm like, this. I was so, so scared. I know. I, I know it was a lot. Right. Yeah. Cause it was like almost, it wasn't like pre-med, but it was like very clinical. So anyway, I ended up doing it obviously and loving it. And then a lot, when I was in graduate school, I ended up realizing I had a broken relationship with food mm. and started seeing a therapist. So halfway through my program, I went from disordered to healed And that changed the entire course of my career. Like, I didn't know when I decided to apply that I was going to be working with people who have eating disorders and disordered eating and chronic dieting and like helping people heal the way that I did. Right. I thought that I was honestly probably going to be like helping women who want to get in shape and lose weight. Like, it was a very kind of what people think quote-unquote nutritionists and diet, I don't, just what but they, people in the nutrition field do. Completely, completely. And, you
0: know, yeah, and you know what's interesting about it is that there are so many more avenues, but I feel like when we yes. were, like around the time when you were in school and when I was in school, which was not overlapped, but could have been technically, cool, yeah. I guess, but technically could have been, but like... But like, it still was somewhat normalized that that was like the, the career path rather than like, yeah. that. that's just what we saw the most. I don't know that it, anyone, I don't know if that's anyone's fault really, but like, it's just like, was the most, um, like this one option as a track versus, oh my God, there's a million things you can do with this. And there's a million ways to, to be a dietitian, but I don't like, it just wasn't as clear to me then. Do you feel mm-hmm. like that?
1: I definitely feel like that. And I think, I mean, I think by the, by the very end of graduate school, I started to realize the different things that people could do because I would talk to like classmates and we all, a lot of us wanted to do different things. Right. I mean, we were always encouraged to like hop into clinical right after, yeah. which I, I actually don't think that's a bad thing. Oh like, no, I, know I there's think so it's many such a great do, thing. I'm so, great so in favor of solid- it. F- totally. Yeah, you solidify totally. the science, you solidify the clinicals, so, like the things that make dietitians, dietitians are like yeah. really solidified, like when you're in the hospital and then you can go, you have so much background to like, go do what you want in the world. But no, there, I mean, there's so much, there's so much more than, you know, the one-on-one counseling. Like eating is something we do every day. It's something that we have to do multiple times a day. Um, And it's one of the things that has the most misinformation spread about it, I think, than almost anything else that we are required to do on a day-to-day basis. So like we have this thing that we need to survive and thrive, right? not just survive, but also thrive. And people don't know what to do. People don't know how to eat because like there is conflicting information. There's wrong information. There's like all the bullshit. I love the way that you dispel, you know, a lot, like you dispel a lot of like trends and myths on your feed. And I feel like I dispel a lot of the diet culture stuff. And like, I, you know, I think it's just really necessary for dietitians to like, set people straight. I'm. Um,
0: thank you for saying that, Nicole. Number one, first of all, let me just say that. I'm like, I, I it's like, what, when will I be less weird getting a compliment? I don't know. Maybe never, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> but thank you. Number one. And number two, be a person. Thank you. Um, but also I'm just like, I, I can't, it's really like, first of all, I I love your approach because I just think, first of all, it's so refreshing. Second of all, I love something really specific about that too. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm like, well, yes, yes, we are on this podcast together for a reason. It's yeah. like, okay, we know, yes. it's like, like my listeners are like, Jackie, we know you love her. Like, yes, I, I of course, because you're uh-huh. here. No, but I mean, I mean, I think what is really special about what you're doing is getting is that you speak like you will say things or write things or have or present information in a way that is actually the way that people speak and talk to themselves or to other people about and around food so it's really like i think that makes a really clear point about what you're what you're saying which is like these things that you're thinking, it doesn't, these don't have to be your trapped cage. Like it doesn't have to be the prison that you live in because you do have to eat in order to live. And I feel like we have so strangely lost side of that. And we can't, like, I mean, we're not even lost sight of that, but that's not sort of brought up enough, even though it's a very simple point, which is like, you can, if you feel like you have an unhealthy relationship with a person, maybe the recommendation would be to get rid of that person for a little while or something. But, but the bottom line with food is that you can't get rid of food for a little while.
1: (laughs) You just can't. (laughs) No, you can't. And that's the thing. Like, this is one of our top, top needs every single day. And And, you know, I think about like the phrase, like eating disorder or disordered eating, and it's like kind of like a dysfunction in something that we, that can be normalized and can be wonderful and beautiful and healthy and balanced and like doesn't need to be broken. Right. And that's what often comes to mind when I'm working with somebody who has, however they identify with people who like, you know, have a diagnosed eating disorder, who identify with having disordered eating, or who just kind of say like, I have been dieting, my whole life. And I just want to be done with it. And I don't want to feel guilty anymore. And I want to stop feeling obsessed. Like there's the whole kind of like spectrum yeah. and whatever it is, it's just like kind of a broken relationship with eating, which can be a wonderful thing.
0: Can I ask you this question about like, when you're, when you're working with, uh, well, you are, you are working with individuals, like sometimes yes. Yes. My, my
1: main, my main thing, actually somebody, I was doing a Q and a on like my Instagram and something was like, do you Still, see clients outside of your Instagram business, and I'm like, I only see clients like my Instagram right. business is to right. see, right. Yes, or, right, like not really much at all. And like, I see that's what I do, my right. business is one to one counseling, so yeah, that's exactly Amazing. what I do.
0: So, when you if you had a client, and I because I'm dying to get your take on this because I feel like this is such a struggle for maybe all of us and we're just not talking about it enough, which is another sort of goal of this podcast in general, which is yeah. that like, like if someone comes in and they're like, Nicole, I am, I was referred to you as a dietitian um, and I'm trying to lose weight mm. and you have no idea like, well, actually I'm just going to leave it there. Where do you start? What do you do? Okay. How do you respond? Okay.
1: So. Most people that are referred to me do want to lose weight. Mm. Um, so I do like that if is like a when. Like when right. somebody comes to me and says, You're like that was, was this morning. You. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. I had some discovery calls today. Weight loss was part of every conversation. Right. Um and uh, usually mm-hmm. that statement is coupled with more that if somebody is coming to me specifically because they either like were referred or found me on Instagram and know that I specialize in breaking free from dieting right. usually the I want to lose weight is also coupled with and I mm. feel like I've tried a lot of diets and they just don't work and I want to be done with it or I feel you know guilty and I want to stop feeling guilty when I eat the foods that I love or like I follow you know the cycle where I'm like dieting and then I just can't do it anymore and then I'm binging and then I'm stuck in the binge strip cycle so it's mm. that plus most most people that come to me say I I also do want to lose weight. And some people say, I I know that, or some people are actually like, you know what? Like, although I've wanted to lose weight before at this point, I'm okay. If my body doesn't change, I just want to feel better in it. More often people say, I know that, you know, weight loss isn't supposed to be part of like the intuitive eating process, but I still like, I do want to lose weight. Like, Mm. and, and I know that that's like wrong or something. And so, um, and they say that they know it's wrong. Cause they hear that like intuitive eating kind of don't go hand in hand. Right. Um, or some people actually also say like, and I, I still do want to lose weight. Like, I hope I lose weight as a part of the process. That's the other, the other phrase that they hope they lose oh, weight. So intuitive eating.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay.
1: So the way that I approach it is, uh, um, being very upfront about the fact that I do not do weight loss as a main intervention. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, you mentioned weight loss as a goal. I want to be clear that through this work, weight loss isn't a primary goal. It's Mm -hmm. not our primary like thing that we're attacking. It's not our primary intervention. What we are doing instead is helping you heal your relationship with food. These patterns that you're describing with like the binge and restrict cycle going to help you break out of that, stabilize your relationship with food, remove the guilt. We don't know what will happen with your weight it may, Mm. it may change. It may not. the, and, and, you know, you say that it's, you feel like it's wrong that you do want to lose weight. It's not wrong at all. Like, how can you not want to lose weight in the world we live in? I mean, God, like how, how can anybody, you know? So, so it's, of course it's okay to want to lose weight when you want to work with a dietitian like me, who does like the intuitive eating approach. And we talk about that, you know, we like, explore their desire for weight loss. Where did that come from? It is internalized beliefs from messages you were sent growing up. Is mm. it, you know, one thing that you heard when you were younger that kind of got you stuck on this? Is it the media that's right. telling you that thin is best? You know, there's so many reasons that people want to lose weight and we like talk a lot about that, but we no longer let that guide our work. We no longer let that guide your patterns anymore. Like you're not going to right. let your desire for weight loss lead you to decide what to eat, what not to eat, how to move, whether to move, all
0: of that. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so that's so well said. That's so well said. And also I okay, this is this is my this is my follow up. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is my follow up. Mm-hmm. Next question. Yeah. Next question. Let me follow <laughs> let me follow this up so that we can really get into it. Okay. You you are when you are doing, let's say, an initial session or you're starting an intake or whatever it is. You, This is perfect context because I think this is hugely important, which is what you said about people finding you on Instagram or people being referred to you for exactly what you just described, for a more intuitive approach versus weight loss as the main objective, or at least there, there's some transparency about where you're coming from, right? Like, But like, yeah. let's say you have a patient who is like, quote unquote, obese and therefore is like, and, and he's also having physical symptoms related to that. Let's, let's say like not just the blood sugar or
1: just like some of the things that we, that we hear about the most. Okay. And you've said quote unquote obese before. And I just want to yes. like, go back to that because yeah. like that was, absolutely like appropriate like if this was written out and like our listeners right. saw this written out right. it would be in quotes or there would be like right. an asterisk instead of the e and obese which maybe you see on instagram right because <clears throat> obesity overweight these terms are they stem from the bmi chart and again like i'm just saying this because i want people listening to understand that that those terms are not really appropriate to use because bmi is not a reliable indicator of health. It's not a reliable way to measure our population, um, for many different reasons. And so those terms are at this point kind of like unfair and they're stigmatizing, Mm. right? Like overweight and obesity are stigmatizing and just not appropriate, um, to use. So that's, you know, the quotes, the very appropriate quotes around the word obese. So if I have somebody in a larger body who comes to me, um, I've thought about this before and I actually, like think I want to do a post on this. Um, like yeah. my approach with somebody in a thin or straight sized body, my approach with somebody in a larger body, mm. there are no differences in the, my, in my approach between the two, essentially like our conversations may of course vary because the lived experience of each of those people is different, but, um, a weight loss focused approach, even for somebody in a larger body, like is still not warranted or ethical at mm. the point, because we know that diets do not work. And mm. we know that weight loss focused approaches do not work. Like if you look at, and I know you're huge on evidence, right? Like yeah. you love evidence, you love the study, right? Like you love this. And like, that's what dietitians do, you know, right, like we, right. and like if, and there was actually a study that I specifically remember from Lisa Sasson's class. Oh, Lisa, Lisa. shout out. Shout, Shout out, out to you. Me so that the NYU <laughs> dietetic intern professor that we both director that we both know and love. Um, that like when you look at the a weight loss focused approach versus a weight neutral mm. approach, um, you see sustained behavior change, sustained if there's weight change, you see that weight loss or change sustained in the weight neutral approach. Whereas if you see weight loss in the weight loss focused approach, it initially decreases and then goes back up and then they even as we know go up further because of the metabolic effects of dieting Mm. um so i would still not change any like if somebody is in a larger body and they're experiencing physical symptoms there's two things one i am going to absolutely still take the intuitive eating weight neutral approach with them because if they were ever sent the message about Yes. Trying, like how to lose weight right. via dieting, then they're going to be stuck in that and that they're going to be in it probably for life and it's not going to work for them and it's not going to, it's going to be have a negative impact on mental health and it's mm. not going to, like if their body is in a place where it may change from an intuitive eating approach, then that change will be sustained through intuitive eating. It will not be sustained through weight loss. And then the other part of it is like, what are mm. these physical... Symptoms. Mm-hmm. And are there other approaches other than weight? My favorite question is, you know, for a medical provider, is like, what would you say to somebody with the same symptom who is in a thin or quote unquote normal by BMI body? Like mm. if somebody's coming with joint pain who's in a thin body, they're not told to lose weight. There are other ways to handle. Right you know, physical manifestations. Sure, there may be a, we know that there is are associations between quote unquote overweight or, or quote unquote obesity with conditions, but like right. there are other ways to approach things other than weight loss. So I would suggest finding a weight neutral provider who mm. isn't going, like do- doctor or orthopedist or, you know, rheumatologist, like who isn't going to prescribe weight loss. And I would still take the same approach.
0: That is a beautiful answer. That's such a beautiful answer. But also the part of it that I feel like is that's such an interesting point that I I just want to get more info from you on is about what you said about the how would you speak to is is sort of pushing back on the provider. Like how would you speak to someone Mm. who is in a smaller body that has the same symptoms is huge. Because what we're not basically what's getting left on the floor is that is another point that you made, which is that intuitive, the intuitive approach that you're working with a patient on, if that is meant to lead them to a, to weight loss, in other words, then, then it's because the, there was that kind of out of touch feeling or sense of, or, or relationship with food, right? Mm-hmm. Like then, mm-hmm. then that's, then that was meant to be. Like it's, it's almost yeah. like then this is what was meant for you to, to actually help you. But it's not, in other words, the focus is not on the weight. Like the weight is not the objective. The objective Correct. is the relationship and therefore the side effects that come with that. But it's such a good point because w- where I feel like what's really being left on the floor is what are the other things that could be going on? And therefore you mm-hmm. do like you doctor, Mr. Doctor, sir, <laughs> I'm I'm making him a man in this example, you, sir, doctor are, are maybe leaving a couple interventions that you could have tried on the, you're sort of leaving those on the table and saying, here, go see this dietitian," which I, I do yes. feel like is a, is a pigeonhole that we wind up getting trapped in when that might not actually be the answer. <laughs> I mean,
1: there are, you will see, like, I wish I could remember a specific, a specific example yeah. that I've read about, because I know I even read about, there was actually I think it was Good Housekeeping, oh my God, an article that they posted or shared recently why they are no longer using BMI. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the article was awesome and like shared very specific examples about why BMI is harmful. And it talked about the way that, oh my God, you know what I have seen? I have seen something and this is something heartbreaking. Like somebody who was experiencing certain symptoms was told to lose weight because they were in a larger body, and the symptoms were because of a tumor. Oh my God, that that's was just horrifying. Initially undetected, and I don't remember if the person was okay. I, I right. don't know what ended up happening. Like right. I, I'm hoping that this person was ultimately okay. I don't remember, but that is an example right. of something that can happen. That is like one of mm-hmm. the most devastating side effects of or consequences of weight right. stigma. That like, if you, and, then, and then there are things that you may see. Like I saw, I think a New Yorker cartoon once that somebody came in and was like in the emergency room from a car accident and like half their leg was amputated. Mm. And the, the doctor was like, have you tried to lose weight? And it was kind of, you know, the commentary on weight stigma in a very New Yorker cartoon kind of way. But I think that that appropriately describes, unfortunately, what happens in healthcare with some providers these days. I hate to say this because it's a little, it's a little
0: depressing and we will move on <laughs> we
1: will move you on know? from from the sad stuff <laughs> in just a moment. sec yeah in
0: a sec but i but I feel like that the thing that makes me sad about that is that because of what we both know about the training and the experience and the research and everything that goes into getting here, it makes me feel a little di- like there's something a little disappointing about hearing that about a provide about like, let's say it is a rheumatologist or an orthopedist or someone else. And this is not to say that this is how everyone approaches things, obviously. I feel right. like that goes without right. saying almost, but like yeah. the idea is that it does show a little bit of the, like our current, it shows some cracks in like our current system, which is like it's a lot easier to refer somebody to to say try weight loss because it puts the onus immediately on the person whereas there's always going to mm-hmm. be onus on the patient to do something that's always going to be true something. no matter what but like the idea that it could only be one thing is so it's so unfair because when it could be something in some cases really severe or lots of other things going on then yeah. then it's like okay you took a shortcut but this person now has a mountain in front of them how fair is that? Right, you know.
1: Right, and and the other part of it is that I mean, there's so oh god, there's so much to say. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, I'm thinking about when I was in the hospital setting, and I had patients that were referred to me by their doctor for weight loss, and um, some of them say, you know, I actually never really thought about wanting to lose weight or having to lose like weight. I felt pretty good in my body until my doctor said, like, go see the dietitian for weight mm. loss, and then I honestly take a completely different. I mean, I always take a weight loss, I mean, a weight neutral focused approach. Like when mm-hmm. I was in the hospital setting, like I couldn't do exactly what I do in my private practice, but it was never a dieting approach. And right. with some patients right. who came to me for weight loss, we didn't focus on weight loss at all if right. they like didn't want to. And like right. the other part of it is for the doctor who wants their patient to get better, recommending dieting yeah. is not going to work. So right. you are going to see your patient at their annual follow-up in 12 months with Either the same weight or weight gain, or you're going to see like lipid levels, you know, if it was blood work, if it's, oh, go lose weight because your cholesterol is high. Three months, maybe the numbers will go down. Right. Nine months later, if they're annual, the numbers will be back the same because like the weight loss approach doesn't, doesn't work right long term. So the doctor is actually not doing themselves a favor if they want their patients to get better by recommending traditional weight loss. You need we need, we need everybody. And I know so many fantastic doctors and other healthcare professionals who are who are not taking this approach and who take a very compassionate approach and honestly like i've spoken to doctors who are like oh yeah we had one course on nutrition like one class right, rather, or something and right. like i it's 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 a problem in the training right 100% 100 like it's also a problem with with the global culture that we live in i mean it's so Interwoven that there is no one to blame. Like, we are not sitting here blaming a doctor for recommending weight loss. That's not it. Exactly. Like, they were, we're blaming like the, you know, pervasive weight stigma in our society as a whole. We're blaming the training. We're, it's, there's no one, 100%. one person to blame. It's just like there's a whole, there's a lot that needs to get fixed. Right. And I think it's starting, right? Like, yeah. it's starting. Like, it's, we have, we have, you know, the, like movements about body neutrality and acceptance, and like we have, of course, like the non-diet like community, and it's getting out there. Thank God, we have good housekeeping getting rid of BMI. Right. Like there's lots of things. There's lots of things. <laughs> right. That right. are happening.
0: It's so <laughs> no. It's so true. It's so so true. It's such a it's such a well said point. Also, that it's that there are so many things that happen like that and and they go way beyond Mm -hmm. healthcare too, which is like that just are a a product of not necessarily having enough time or not, or, or not having it built into a part of X, Y, Z training. Like it just, it, it just winds up being something that happens and then it, it, that's okay because it's now that's, we feel good about that being on us to kind of help guide and fix and encourage and reshape, not even fix. I don't, I feel like fix is even too hard, like reshape into where yeah, reshape. we're supposed to be. Okay. Yeah. So you, so we touched on it a little bit. We got to talk about the article that I, I like, yeah. I lost my mind over, but this is a perfect transition for us because you you mentioned media and you mentioned some of these other like ways that we used to see this presented to us so nicole and i both read this article which i will link in our notes here but it it came out this week in slate and i am I'm, I'm honestly hesitant to even link to it because i feel like does it deserve some clicks i don't know i don't right? know if it does i also say i was like reading it and i'm like <laughs>
1: right. there's some stuff that honestly is a little bit like trigger warning Same. worthy. wait yes so i was like I'm whoa i
0: I, I like. I, it's stuff that probably most of our listeners have forgotten about because, like, you used to see it all the time. You don't right. really see it anymore. You do see it in other ways, right. and sometimes those ways yeah. are are have taken a new shape and form. But like, yeah. Anyway, the article. <laughs> The article is about the tabloids and how tablets in the early 2000s would sell using cover lines related to scary weight loss or like um body transformation which we're still seeing I feel like that one has become a big Instagram thing. Yeah. Tell tell me what tell me what you think about <laughs> What do you think was the worst one, Nicole? If you had to rank the cover lines. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But actually, <laughs> right. but I'm actually like many? maybe. Jeez. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like I've got to just give this little shout out to the fact that what drove me the most crazy was the headline of the article that implied that these people were actually working with credentialed professionals. As in, I like the subhead was like consulting dietitians. Right. And I was like, actually, oh. it was just one physician. Like it was one yeah. kind of like darker, yeah. you know, more sinister area. <laughs> Yes, yeah, sure. and not dietitians. Sure. So I would like to really give that benefit of the doubt right there. And also that's a misuse of the term. I mean, you could have just, you could have gotten away with that had you used like nutritionists. It, that right. might've, cause it's not, not tied to the credential. Anyway, that pissed me off. That pissed me off to start. But then the idea that you would, that this was used as a way to sell what you can't like totally understandable very much. And by understandable, I mean like people use all kinds of different types of marketing and content marketing yeah. and it's a clickbait. form of con- the clickbait. clickbait. Right. Yeah. Except in mm-hmm. the analog form. So
1: right. exactly. <laughs> Except in the yeah. early 2000s. It's called clickbait <laughs> now. It, exactly. is probably, it probably had a name before it was called clickbait that I just don't remember anymore. <laughs> um,
0: what do you think? What, what? Okay. So tell me, well, first tell me your initial reaction, like thoughts
1: <laughs> on this whole thing. So, I mean, as I was reading it I was just like what like as you said our listeners probably like aren't remembering a lot of this stuff and as I was reading it I'm like wow right. this was that these were some really bad and dark times like the early 2000s right. and I was just like kind of forgotten how awful it was and I guess my like, my initial reaction was I I couldn't believe the like length that they went to to try to get the most you know alluring right. headline about like somebody's body transformation or weight change. And and the other part of it is really just outside looking in thinking about like, wow, they were taking personal aspects of somebody's life, someone's life and completely manipulating it. Like, oh, this weight loss was tied to, you know, alcoholism or a breakup mm. or like all these, you know, awful things that they were saying about the person's weight loss. And then if there was weight gain, like other reasons that like, it was, I just, kind of didn't realize the extent to which like people in the tabloids would go to try to get the most, you know, alluring headline. Um, And I think the other equally strong reaction I had was like that while this is no longer happening in the tabloids in the same way, Mm. um, a similar thing has transitioned to social media. Not in the way that you're seeing like a celebrity, weight change and now we're speculating on the reasons behind it but like the body transformation the mm. the try this you know diet to lose this much weight in this much time is now an even more accessible form which is Instagram and TikTok I think mm. more so like especially TikTok mm. um, but like that's the new way that they're like luring you know um, like hooks and captions or like all of that that's like I did this to lose weight and like then we have you know a regular like not a celebrity not even necessarily like a professional fitness person just like someone from like some town that could be your neighbor showing off their body in a way that you know it's tied to the way that they're eating and now it's like basically the new kind of Way that th- these messages are spreading. Can yeah. I, I don't even articulate no, that? No, well. I,
0: I totally, no, I totally see that. I, I totally see that, and I feel like that's really clear. I actually think just to give our listeners some of the, some of the context is that these are the cover lines that that we're talking about. How I got thin, sixty pounds in four months. That was a headline. God, mm-hmm. that just sounds like danger. That sounds like straight oh, so up danger. So but what, dang, what also yeah. was really interesting about this to me, was seeing this little nugget about um, 2007, Kira Knightley won a defamation lawsuit against the British rag, the Daily Mail, which, and it was for allegations that she had an eating disorder after printing images of her in a bikini and how it contributed to the death of a 19-year-old girl from anorexia. Like that, what? I mean, the fact that that could oh even be God. printed or that anyone thought that that was like an appropriate thing to print. I mean, first yeah. of all, to just even put that onto somebody else right there is like, mm-hmm. yes, I mean, thankfully you did win that lawsuit, Karen Knightley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, right but I mean, in so. context, like of like hearing defamation, hearing about defamation with the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial, I just feel like that, that on its own feels like a little, like a throwback and then also like present day times. Well, what's crazy mm-hmm. about it is that I think it takes a number of different, uh, the, the thing that I miss, like, this is my weird, this was my meme. <laughs> Like, weird like reaction to reading this. Yeah, is it the I thing that reaction. I miss about this time is that at the very least we could say this is wrong. Like we could point to something and say, you know what? This is fucked up. Like I don't like mm-hmm. that this headline is 60 pounds in four months because that is an insane Goal, target, anything, plus the focus on weight as the main goal, right? Like everything about that. Now, I feel like there are so many insidious ways that this comes up, and they're just so low key. Like I was talking about this on into this microphone somewhere like uh, two weeks ago, two episodes ago, that is uh, like about seeing this this thing that's driving me insane, which is gut health everywhere. Like everything oh, is gut health. <laughs> my God. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. when well, my sister and I were just talking last night about why she was like, why, what's an adrenal gland? <laughs> and I was like, listen, you really don't need to know that much about it. So much. How much Sorry, time, have, we, how much time have you spent thinking about an adrenal gland? Probably less than an hour like in your total when I, career. When I was, like, right.
1: In a course, <laughs> learning about what the adrenal gland does. Right. That's it. Nobody needs to know about like, fatigue or but... exhausted or whatever. Adrenal. It's not a thing. Sorry, I'm yelling and shit. Sorry, listeners. I'm like I'm yelling, yeah, but like please, that's not a thing. I'm yelling. This is
0: not a thing. Anyone? PSA. Anyone listening? Nicole and I are here, and we just want to say, your fatigued adrenals go to sleep. <laughs> go take a nap because you need a break from your screen. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Like. Oh. Thank my you. God. Okay. Thank you. Those two things are like my current like upset, like pet peeve slash obsession with <laughs> why are we doing this? Because then I feel like, like I had someone on, on this podcast that was like, so talking about actual gut health. It's like we've conflated the term. Like, that's what I mean by the insidious way that this can work. It's like, yeah. you, can, yeah. you can actually be a physician who specializes in metabolics and therefore you might be able, you might know more about the adrenal glands than I do, but still, I'm still pretty sure that someone, <laughs> that an endocrinologist would not say to focus on an adrenal gland, but I digress. Okay, I just wanted to throw that one back in there. But right. I, but like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's where these like abuse, the term it's like the I keep using the word abuse but it's not it's like it's like disuse of like Like a liberal like a
1: liberalized almost term like like taking it right it's like taking the term and then you exploited it it.
0: throw it tossing it around everywhere yes yeah so Mm -hmm. that so that was my one that was my other thought was like wow remember how transparent it was to be like that's not that's not good that you have that bad headline. And now
1: I'm like, oh my God, why is it everywhere? So you just <laughs> reminded me of another thought that I had reading the article, which is, okay. So like the title of the article was about the remorse yes. that these people on the tabloids are feeling over what they did back in the aughts, which right. I actually which still don't doesn't make you feel. Like, I know. are the Aren't names, we still in those? But also, where did the name aught <laughs> come from? I know. Like, I don't. Thank you. I'm, somebody like, <laughs> please let us know how <laughs> also call us means like the early. T- yeah. <laughs> Bring us in. Bring I'm us totally in. with you. Don't <laughs> get it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, so there's remorse about that. And I'm just like, are, is there going to be the same type of remorse in mm-hmm. another 20 years from maybe TikTok or from the, the people that are or Instagram or like the the people themselves who are spreading this information. Like we, yes, it was a little bit more obvious, right? Like mm. what you saw on the tabloids that this was wrong. But I, I don't think that if we really bring ourselves back to the time, I don't, it was still something that was so appealing to all the readers. And like, I don't think everybody realized just how bad it was in the same way that we do now. Like it was more obviously wrong, but I think it's still it's yeah. more clearly wrong now than it was then. And what's happening now is, less obviously wrong because all of these things are actually being done in the name of quote unquote health, Mm. which is a huge problem with, you know, our culture today and like diet culture in general and Mm. just wellness. I can almost not say the word wellness culture. I know. I feel the same way. It's very mixed feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it's like, I remember, um, a dietitian once posting like years ago, like our culture at baseline is disordered when it mm. comes to our relationship with food and body. And like, that's, I've always remembered that. And it stuck with me. And, um, so a lot of these things like clean eating, oh. you know, is, is, <laughs> it's like thought One to of my be healthy. And this was yeah. my own problem. Like I had what I had, what would, you know, I then learned was orthorexia, which is, right. a, is an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. Right. So sadly a lot of the stuff that's perpetuated, um, in the media on social media doesn't seem so obviously unhealthy because it's like, what, just like eat your veggies and your grains and like, don't eat much sugar. There's nothing wrong with that, but like it spirals into an eating disorder. And right. so I'm just like, can we just catch it now, please? Like, can we not have to wait another 20 years before these people are remorseful before like right. social media platforms are remorseful for what they are allowing people to spread? Like catch it now because yes. it's causing problems. Like my clients, teenage clients yeah. who, who are, counting their calories and trying to eat 1200 calories a day because of an influencer they saw on TikTok. And now I'm seeing them for disordered eating or an eating disorder. And oh God. like, it's devastating.
0: Oh my God. That makes me so sad. That makes me so sad. Can you do me the kind, the kind solid Nicole of telling people why 1200 calories is not enough <laughs>
1: Sure thing, I absolutely can, Jackie. Very happy to. Um, I, like it. This is one of. I actually like looked at a chart from my nutrition book. Wants mm-hmm. to do a post on this because I needed the evidence. Like, right. I like. I just need people to see this that right. like when you look at the the estimated energy needs for. And I'm gonna actually. I'm using the word energy for a reason because calorie. Yes is a bad word for some reason now, right? right? Like calories are the enemy. What are calories? (laughs) They're literally what we need to like we need to yes breathe. Thank you. Get up and go to the bathroom. Like put our hair up, like go for a run, right. play a sport, like it, for everything. So think calories are <laughs> energy. Think, yeah. Sit, sit do nothing share. and do think nothing. about do the, nothing. The, heart, the aughts and where that term the came aughts. from.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we could <Exactly>. do that. <laughs>
1: yes. So the energy needs for children, um, you know, a two, three, olds are more than 1,200 calories. They're right. closer to like 18, sometimes over 2,000. <laughs> 1,200 calories for an adult- or a teen, oh my God, especially, I want to almost say, not especially, I don't want to say especially a teenager, but the thing about like teenagers is that they are still growing. They're still growing, and, like, especially teenagers also. <laughs> Fine. Yes. It's just like, but adults shouldn't be eating 1,200 right. calories day either. But like yeah, teenagers right. are, yes. are especially burning calories. Like they are, you know, teenagers are not supposed to lose weight. This is another thing I'm going to say yes. to anybody out there. Like you are not supposed to recommend weight loss for children for teenagers, yes. their bodies are growing and changing and doing so much that, that they need energy for. And like, they may gain some weight before they gain height. So right. you, you don't give their body a chance to even like, see where it's going to go as they're going through puberty. So like weight loss in general is really, really not indicated right. for you know, children and teenagers. And I would say, of course, the weight loss approach is not good for adults either. Yeah, but yeah. I digress, kind of. I mean, that's also like the whole point of this. Um, right. But that's, you know, 1200 is just, it's a it's way we we burn more at rest. And and we need, we absolutely need to eat more. Than that. You're also not going to get like enough nutrients. Like you Man. lack, you can risk not getting enough like vitamins and minerals and protein. Like you, right. a, any of the macronutrients. I mean, I literally was
0: just looking at a menu today where we were pretty much starting at 1200. It was a meal just for one meal. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. listen, there, that might not, the, the, the other part of this is that there are also two sides of the coin, which is that like, yeah, I mean, depending on who you are, that might actually be too much energy for you to feel like doing the rest of your day after eating that. So like, there's also this part of, but like, it's not really, and I can say that as a general sort of guide. I I, like, as in like (laughs) a lot of patients have, like people may find that that might be a lot to consume at one meal. Other people may need to consume that at one meal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. At
1: one meal. Exactly.
0: So like it, it feels
1: like like by
0: not well, first of all, I love that you said that about calories, also because yes, like we need to reclaim this word because it's it was our word, as in real evidence based practitioners. <laughs> yeah. This was our word. Stop yeah. misusing it, <laughs> internet. <laughs> it's energy it's a unit of measure for energy it's energy thank you yeah
1: it's also called a kilo calorie yeah you could also bring it into the right, energy perspective or, like that brings it a bit more like a if you, you know, want to, if you also want to say it
0: with a british accent you could say kilo calorie <laughs> and that would also be fine <laughs> because it sounds much more british and like therefore elevated it just sounds better yes. i just everything yes.
1: i mean i totally, I totally agree it. If that makes calories feel safer to right. you <laughs> say it in a british accent and add kilo <laughs> There we go. We've made (laughs) calories feel safe. Make calories safe again. Exactly. (laughs) That's it.
0: (laughs) That's it. We're here. It was our word. Stop taking it. Don't take it from us, internet. God.
1: Um, Also, as you were talking about, like, what, about, like, getting 1,200 calories in in a certain sitting, the other thing about, like, 1,200 being dangerous is that it's so hard to limit to that in a day because like a meal could be that or a meal could be at least half of it that if you try to stick within it you are very much increasing the risk of disordered eating and like that is another problem with that number it's so low and it's so unrealistic that to even try to stay within it like you you are going to increase the risk of obsessive thoughts about food you're going to increase food guilt and I'm like why? Like we don't want to do this. You don't right. want like you know, the, like these things need to come with a warning. You know, like right. side effects they include, and like the whole right. situation, like all the side effects of of in of going down the path of any kind of dieting behavior. Because if people like actually knew what they were, well, I mean, sadly, I feel like they would, because of our society, they would maybe still pursue it anyway. Mm-hmm. But like diets don't talk about. I know. You know, like these dieting behaviors have right. like a lot of side effects that require a warning label.
0: It's. So true, Nicole, but you know what pisses me off about this that you just reminded me of as you're saying this, that is hmm. also we, and we, this is another thing that we were talking about with like the insidious nature of, of influencer culture is that like the yeah. other component of this is that we just lived through this moment in time. Like particularly I'm thinking of like early, earlier this year, like January, February, where this kind of controversy Um, about vaccinations or like whether or not people were vaccinated or like, like what was being labeled as vaccine misinformation when, when outside of the norm, like, or outside of the specific area, like the specific topic, what started to come up a lot was a lot of people saying things like, well, if you're going to, to say that you don't believe in vaccinations, then you're going to have a warning label next to your podcast, or you're going to have a, you know, like a warning label on this piece of content, or this content will be flagged and the content moderation that was happening around this, because it was about health. Right, mm-hmm. like, and mm-hmm. and I put that in quotes too, listeners, <laughs> because in this case, like, like, actually, the idea of like just asking more questions might be very well warranted. It might also just presenting maybe side effects of taking a vaccine is also should be an acceptable thing that doesn't mean that people aren't grown-ups who can't also do both right like learn about side yeah. effects and also take something that may be necessary from a public health standpoint I just like what what got me about it is that we have been living this since the start of this profession which is that because uh, yeah. if you're gonna do that here then imagine these public health crises that we could have been in front of had we yeah. had some of that like upfront this yep. is what presenting this to you could do to your brain and then your body, and then ultimately yeah. your entire metabolic system and your way of regulating homeostasis, like in your own body. Like, you know what I mean? And much less your yeah. psychological health. Like, every part of it could be affected. It just makes me think like we talked about that in the name of like a virus. Now I, I wonder, like, what happens to all of us who have been living here for so long where we're like, okay, so so and so's 1200 calorie influencer post like came right to the front of everyone's for you page Mm -hmm. on TikTok. But like but we haven't but like we haven't addressed that. Actually this exists in a lot of places. Like this this wording label that people talk about now. Perhaps we should have thought about that for some of the other areas that are left unregulated, supplements, or things that could be taken out of context or misused. Like for for younger people who don't who don't
1: who maybe don't know yet that twelve hundred calories is not for them. I know, <laughs> I know, and this is and like we were talking before about how this is really systemic, how right. it's no one person's fault, right. and like I read this book called *Fearing the Black Body*, and it is and it's just really an amazing book on understanding the roots of um of weight stigma and fat phobia in mm. our culture as a whole, and it's there's evidence to show that dieting doesn't work. We have evidence to show that an intuitive eating approach does work Mm -hmm. for both like sustained weight change, as well as metabolic factors and indicators and like overall health. Yeah. So like if you're promoting weight loss in the name of health, you are missing a lot of research and evidence and you're ignoring a lot, you know? So like if, so I think that like there's so much good evidence out there that could be used to talk about, like, the side effects of dieting. But it goes ignored because, like, very sadly, in the world we live in, it's, like, everything in the name of weight loss. Mm. Like, we're going to, you know, and it's almost why I feel like people would ignore... Not everybody. Not everybody. I really do think that if, like, diets came with a warning label, like, people would diet less. But I also think that some people would be like, like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. I just want to lose weight. And, like, that just like, really just points to, like, mm. the tabloids from the off yeah. Of like, of, of thinness being praised. And, you know, there's, there are, like, memes, there not, not memes anymore, reels, on social media, um, mm. about, like, why you have body image issues if you were a millennial. And, like, because right. when we grew up, right. yeah. you know, and, yeah. I mean, Gen Z is, of course, dealing with it, too, again, because of TikTok, more than the tabloids. It's, again, like, this is why, like, tab- like TikTok yes. is a new tabloid. Yes. Um, Like it's still kind of everywhere.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I want to go back to something before we, before we wrap up, I want to go back to something Mm -hmm. you said about teenagers and working, and working with teens. When you're working with teens, do you have involvement? Like, are you working with
1: the parents too? When I'm working with a teenager who was, under 18 and therefore the parents need to legally be involved. I don't have, it depends on the client. Like sometimes there's consistent communication with the parents. Sometimes it's like check-ins. What I have definitely done is had actual sessions with the family to discuss um, language that's important, you know, important to use at home language to avoid at home Mm. Clients may share with me some of the ways that they don't feel supported by the family. Not if the family is of course, intentional. Right. Fault, but right. Because like, there's just, again, right. like diet culture is everywhere. These things are hard to avoid. So it's just like there's a lot of education that needs to be done um, to the family as well to support their child who's going through, you know, nutrition, counseling, recovery, for disordered eating and eating disorders. And then also with my adult clients, the number of people who I speak to who share that the language that was used at home growing up has contributed mm. to their patterns now. I mean, it's the vast majority over 90%, if not 95% of the people that I work with, like it could even be hundred, maybe it's like 99, yeah. whatever, like share with me the, the culture at home growing up comments from, from family members, you know, like comments about their weight, about another family member's weight, the way that food was discussed in the house, mm. And thirdly, because it was like first, like the teenagers and their yeah. families, now my adults who talk about it. And then also I have parents who see yeah. want to see me because they realize their own broken relationship with food and want to set a good example for their own kids. So like mm. that has become a primary. I think that now that the negative impact of dieting is becoming clearer yeah. Thank God, yeah. there are people who the children who are seeking support because they don't want to do to their kids what was done to them. So they're like, I need to heal myself for me and my kid. And that's becoming a big motivator for parents.
0: That's such a good one. I love hearing that. That makes me feel so hopeful.
1: Yeah. I right? You've been I, hope all this, this, like, I know
0: that this I know we've talked about so the time. There's that hope. feels really There's hopeful. <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, wait. I okay. Really, this is my sec my second to last. My second to last. I want you to share with us something that I just realized that you are the perfect person to explain this. So I would love I yeah. would love you to tell us about what it means to um, make peace with food. Mm. Like, what is that? What is that definition from an intuitive eating standpoint? And and how have you worked with people on it?
1: Okay, I love that question because it is a phrase that sounds so general and, and it sounds like meditating often. a little
0: bit, like I should meditate. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like what is that? Mean? Right. right. Like, what right. is
1: that? It's also like food freedom. And I use yeah. both of the I like interchange right. no, because I don't want to say the same thing all the time, yeah. like find food freedom and like making right. of food. Okay. So what that really, that, what that means is that food is no longer something that is a source of stress and anxiety and obsession and guilt in your life it no longer takes up, you know, if you think of like bandwidth or brain space, like it's no longer taking up 90% or more of what's going on in your brain yeah. and it like food now, right. so if you actually think about the phrase, making peace with food, yeah. like if you actually, which I don't know if I've ever even done this, like break down the sentence, like you yeah. have like food and what it means to you in your life. And when you're in a disordered place with it, it is a source of strife. You know, it yes. doesn't feel like your friend. Right. It, it feels like it's. It, it. I mean, I'm almost like as I'm talking about this, like getting the feelings inside me that yeah. I used to have about food when right. I was disordered. Like it really can just cause so much anxiety yeah. and confusion, and making peace with it, and it's like no longer the enemy anymore. Like food is something right. that becomes. You see it as a source of nourishment. You yeah. see it as a source of pleasure. You see it as a source of joy. And it doesn't carry with it those negative feelings anymore. Like in yeah. all foods, by the way, not just right. safe foods. Right. And, and the foods also no longer have any moral, moral value. Like the salad and the greens feel, you know, just as like feel great and feel safe. And then so does like the pizza, the cheeseburger, the ice yeah. cream. Like these all can feel like wonderful and safe and leave without anxiety or guilt. That is a
0: beautiful answer. That was perfectly well said. All right. We got to our, our we gotta get to our money shot. We got to get to our money okay. shot. This is my favorite okay. this is my favorite yeah. question, Nicole, but I know you're going to have a good one for me because also Nicole's <laughs> a native, also a native New Yorker. So I know you're going to, like, we know a thing or two about where to go and what we're doing yeah. on our last day of eating. Tell me, where are we starting? We're going together. I'm coming with you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Amazing.
1: <laughs> well, so it's funny because I have two answers out of this. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, like last question, we have to go, but I have some answers. Yeah. So the place I like, is that. like this is
0: why I like Nicole so much. Yes. Okay. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Love that.
1: Because like with this question, I was like, well, the last day of eating for me, honestly, like when you heal your relationship with food, yeah, this whole last supper, last meal thing feels very different because every day, yes. you can eat. Right. What would be yes. your last supper, your Love last that. meal, like? Like here in New York, it would be like a bagel. Lately, it's been an egg everything bagel because they're like, kind oh, of like yeah. softer and fluffier than like that's police, a great regular. point about an
0: egg bagel yes okay very good mm-hmm. very good less less um, susceptible I, I to that like dry crusty you know yes. like you get a stale yes. version and it, you feel disappointed i hear yes.
1: that okay and bagels are amazing personally i love it with cream cheese and butter now everybody knows this like i always think people are gonna think it's weird but like don't yuck my yum and it was something mm-hmm. that my dad got me into when i was growing up don't knock it till you try it it's a ma- wait do is people fantastic. not think that Say, I'm do you am sorry. a butter of course you do them together oh my god I've never met anybody else in- of
0: course you know of what god. else I you know what else I like I'm sorry I won't take us off track this is your day I'm not gonna interject with my <laughs> no, okay. day but I gotta say I would always consider yeah. this my like pre-game meal before I was performing <laughs> in high school in um in a dance group and mm-hmm. it was and I my. Oh my god, she was amazing. My dance teacher got us into bagels with cream cheese and butter, and and sliced really thick, sliced tomato like a beefsteak tomato, and that is not mm. something I would have ever chosen on a bagel because you know if there's if it's too thick, you can see how that could get a little mushy. I yeah. get it. I get that thought. But let me tell you, you eat it fresh and you're not going to have that okay. risk. You get a tomato, tomato involved. Time. There's like a little umami going in there. There's like an extra saltiness. It's a texture thing. You're going to love, love it. it. I think you're going to okay. love it. Okay, carry on. I'm going to try it next I'm time. I'm not shutting okay. up. But I just wanted to say to no people, time. maybe consider a
1: tomato because it's delicious. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try that next time and tag you and thank show you. you. Thank, and I'm thank definitely you. you. Thank you. So bagel... Um, um apple juice with it so oh, yeah. refreshing okay. so good oh, yes yeah. and then um probably a pizza some of my favorite pizzas in new york are one of them for like a grab and go is this place called garlic and it, it has incredible grandma slices my favorite is the truffle and ricotta slice no tomato sauce normally i yes. love tomato i'm like a am a pizza slice like a regular slice gal but i freaking love this like ricotta truffle like situation and like by oh. the way it's like less than five dollars like four three and change four and changes is like not an expensive truffle slice truffle is amazing so oh that maybe the regular slice maybe a coca-cola there. with it um and then i don't know maybe a cheeseburger for it like i love a good like a, a good cheeseburger um it's a beautiful G. G. day melon corner bistro Ooh, corner oh, like, bistro even, like, yes okay yeah. Smash burger um shake shack i know i'm naming ones that like people like Joe, we already know these are good, but I'm just throwing out some of my faves in New York. I mean, I think JG, it's important. Warner I think we have to, yeah. we got to give the love. Yeah. We got to <laughs> give, <laughs> give the love and for dessert. I mean, and this is a thing, like it depends on what my mood would I be, know. but either like a, perhaps like a soft chocolate chip cookie from somewhere or just like, I don't know, frozen yogurt with all the fixings. Ooh. Really? I just, cause like that, can be really, really good with like cookie dough. Oh my God, dough. it's so, oh my any God. Any cookie dough ice cream. What about any toppings bar that is a dessert is really, <laughs> I'm yes. here for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. my and God. You layer it. So you got like the cookie dough on the bottom and then we have like the flavor of the yogurt and then we have more cookie dough and sprinkle whipped cream. I mean, there's so much that we can do. So that would be, that would be the day here. But you also mentioned like, what if I like, I could travel. Yeah. Right? Like if I could go Thank anywhere. You. I love so that the two that would two get answers. honorable yes. mentions Yes. Okay. Um, would be if I could like hop around the world and get my favorite things, would include, and I don't know, like meal by meal. Yeah, it doesn't maybe have it be, to be if you want, but if you want to. Like one, like an, um, oh my God, I never wrap. have a favorite breakfast. Oh, there's a, a breakfast wrap that's really good out um, in like Bridgeham, no, in Amagansett. And I forget Ooh. the name of the place. I'm so sorry. Listeners. Is it Hampton I'll Chutney? You know. you... Is it Hampton Chutney? No. Okay. Okay. No, I was gonna not. I was gonna say
0: this might be the one place where we disagree. I know people love that place, but I
1: never got into I don't it. Know I just it. can't okay, I don't anyway. even remember. It's not even but a like part. it's like this wrap with like egg and avocado and mushroom and like melty cheese, and it's mm. warm and it's like melt in your mouth. So that's like a, a totally breakfast wrap that I love. I right. Um I would want to have um one of my favorite restaurants. From when I studied Rod in Paris, which is a well-known restaurant <sighs> called Montrecote that's sadly closed down here in New York. But it's like, you go in and you don't even like choose what you want. They just ask you, how do you want your steak cooked? And you tell that's them so like, badass. rare, medium, rare, that's well so done. so amazing. Okay. And usually I would get it like medium rare. And then they come out with like the yum, yummy, warm French fries and their special sauce. And like, then you get like a second round once you're done with the first one. And they pour the sauce all over the steak and the fries. And it is just... And like with some of their house wine, like it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Just absolutely love it. Um, and then dessert that day would be my uncle's homemade pistachio ice cream that he makes every time he's in Florida. Oh my time I go, he <gasps> I Gotta makes get it down for me. there. <laughs> no,
0: got, we gotta get. What part? 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 I'm, I'm sorry. What's his address? No, no I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> just. kidding. Wait a second. I, I also a topic I literally I just talked about with my sister last night. I, we were talking about the joys of a pistachio, and I you can comment. There's no right answer to this. I will tell okay. you. I will just tell you before you share the ingre- the, the special sauce. Here, I'm personally a pistachio person without the chunks. Like, I love a pistachio. I like to sit down and eat my pistachios. I don't. I don't want a pistachio nut. I don't want a full blown nut in my ice cream. I want that to be blended up for me. Otherwise, I would have bought mm. the pistachios and had those. I like
1: to get a no. fully blended. Yeah, No, it is very different from having just the pistachio. Okay, it's she disagrees She's here, we're of and two and... different faiths
0: on this. And you know what? I respect it. I respect it.
1: I, as, I, as I do I for respect you, it. of course. But, I respect it. No, so the funniest thing was I was in Florida in May and my aunt was like, you know what I did for you? When your uncle Len was making the ice cream, I ate out all the brown pistachios and left the green ones because the green ones are what you need for the ice cream. They make the best flavor. And I ate all the brown ones. For you, yeah. So we had all the green nuts left for the ice cream, and um, I would say like I definitely like the chunks of the nuts, maybe maybe cut in half, yeah, versus like a whole nut. But it's um, I like I I want him to send it to me on on dry ice in various pints. So that way I can keep it in my freezer and also like share it with people like you, who I know would love it. I was talking about it with my dentist last <laughs> month and he's like, I want some. I'm like, all right, dry ice. I'm going to bring you a pint. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Wait,
0: now this is an important question. Does he do other flavors or is this his main, this is his focus?
1: I think this is, well, he cooks a lot of fantastic, wonderful things. Like he cooks incredible Chinese food, like that he he is a very 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 good cook like he's you know could be pro
0: um you gotta so get down a lot of there.
1: things you i gotta know, get right? down there. i should do like a meet and greet down in florida at my uncle my aunt <laughs> uncle's place i just have him like me sponsor but that's <laughs> the only ice cream that i've ever had him that i've ever tried okay i don't know if there was another one back in the day but like he knows it's my favorite so he always makes it when i go which is just like so kind it's, and that oh
0: did you say him so Len good. did you say he's your uncle Len yes. Len if uncle you're Len. listening we need to monetize this we'd like to we'd like to launch we'd like to help you launch this brand and also selfishly send it send yeah. us samples with dry eyes <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my God. I'll I get love on that it. so much. That was so beautiful. Nicole, tell oh, us where thanks. we can find you because we need more of you in oh. our lives. We need more. Thank we need you. more, Nicole, more
1: often. Oh, my God. That's the sweetest thing ever. And The Hungry Clementine is my, is my handle on Instagram and TikTok. But I really feel like that is my hub, The Hungry Clementine. You can get my website there. You can get my ebook there. You can get... You know, like how to connect to works together. Uh, My website is bodyovermindnutrition.com, but just like go to the Instagram. Love it. That's you know.
0: That's the home base. Thank you. I love it. That's the home base. Thanks so much for tuning in today to this episode of On the Side with Jackie London. If you enjoyed today's episode, please snap a screenshot of your podcast app on your phone, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jacqueline London RD to let me know your favorite takeaway from any part of the episode. If you're loving the show, if there's a topic you'd love to hear more about or a guest you'd love to listen to here, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. You can scroll down on your podcast app to where it says ratings and reviews and rate this one five stars, of course, and share your feedback. Your words might just be what the next person needs to tune in and start feeling more empowered and living better one meal or snack at a time. Of course, be sure to follow On The Side wherever you get your podcasts to ensure you won't miss out on any episodes. And remember to check us out. Check out the Q&A deep dive on the On The Side YouTube channel. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Keep in mind that any advice provided on this podcast is based off of my clinical judgment and application of research and practice as a registered dietitian, and it should not take the place of medical advice from your own personal physician. Until next time, cheers.